The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And as always, I'm going to be delving into all sorts of technology, all the latest gizmos, gadgets and, and tech that affects our lives. Impossible to avoid tech every day. You use it. I use it. We have lots of fun with it. It sometimes drives us crazy because it doesn't work. But other than that, or the power goes off and then you can't use the gadgets. But those are minor issues in the bigger scheme of things. But there have been some real changes coming to the environment and to the market and to the technology universe that we all live in. And I'm going to be talking a lot about that during Tech Talk Cafe 2022. The changes, the madness, the craziness that ensued after the lockdowns from 2020 all the way through till pretty much the beginning of this year. Some countries still are locked down and doing crazy stuff like China. So it has all affected technology in huge ways, hugely positive for some during the corona pandemic. But things are shaking out. A lot of changes going on. Tech stocks are getting murdered. Chip shortages are changing. Wars in Europe. So all in all, a crazy environment in which to operate. And I'll try to give a little sense to where this is all going and what we can expect. But the gizmos and the gadgets continue, though an interesting director from from Europe in the, I think, the last month was that they have mandated that there needs to be a single port for charging across all smartphones. And Apple, as Apple does, have always had the lightning uh, connector, not conductor. Hopefully not. You don't get struck while you're using your Apple. But truth is, They've always used a proprietary connector from the old big connector all the way through to the tiny little lightning connector on their smartphones. Although what has been happening of late, um, all the new iPads and, in fact, all the new computers have been coming out with USB-C. Although the new MacBook Airs and the new MacBook Pros are coming out with a MagSafe connector, which I think was a crazy thing not to have. MagSafe being just such a clever uh, connector. If you connect, if you kick the wire, and who doesn't knock the wire that's connecting up to your laptop at some point or another? It simply disconnects and doesn't pull your laptop off the table, as it's happened to me with phones many, many occasions. You plug them in, somehow you knock the cable, and boom, the phone falls off the table, falls off your chair onto the floor, and sometimes doesn't end well. But Simply put, I believe that with the introduction of the iPhone 15, not the 14, this year, the iPhones that are coming out in in, um, September 2022 will continue with the Lightning Connector. But I believe all other products from Apple, such as the AirPods charging case, all the new iPads are going to change to a USB port. And there are rumors that Apple is testing on all the new iPhone models that are coming after the iPhone 14. Remember, that stuff's being built as we speak. They're busy manufacturing them en masse because the launch is essentially six, seven weeks away. So expect to see it continue, but the USB-C charging port will become ubiquitous. It will become the single and pretty much the only way that you can connect up phones and your various gizmos going forward. And it does bring 
according to Apple, certain negatives. But overall, for the rest of us, it would be so much easier not to run around looking for one cable for this phone, one cable for that tablet, another cable for that laptop. And it would just cut down on cable clutter pretty much across the, the board. Now, there's been a lot of rumors about wireless charging and perhaps iPhones would go completely wireless. But I think there are too many issues around the speed and the, 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 the way that wireless charging operates in so many different standards across different types of products. And there's no real standard in terms of the actual charges themselves. And right now, they are significantly slower than any cable connection that you can have. So don't expect that to happen. But USB-C is coming from everyone. And one day, one of the shows, I'll explain that not all USB-C cables are made the same, which is a little bit of a, a challenge. Some will charge better than others, and some won't charge at all. So stay tuned. I think there are a lot of changes coming. There are a lot of uh, different ways these things are going to happen. And... Um, we will, I will keep you informed as and when all these various uh, changes come. But expect USB to become the only charging standard across smartphones within the next year across pretty much the whole world. Pushed by Europe, and I think in some ways it's great. It stops clutter. It cuts down on the number of chargers. Most high-end phones don't even offer you chargers in the box anymore. Certainly Apple, Samsung, and many others have stopped putting chargers in the box because they maintain, most of us, I've got a couple in the drawer somewhere. Not a hassle to get charges. So moving on to even more interesting news. TikTok has been dominating in many, many ways. And we are seeing more and more people tuning into that, that thing and making, creating videos, doing all sorts of stuff on platforms like TikTok. Now, obviously, Facebook, one of the largest social media companies in the world and pretty much dominating for many, many years has been feeling the effect of what's going on with TikTok and the various other platforms that have risen really quickly. Also, just as an aside, Facebook, because of its breadth, because of its sheer dominance and because of the nature of what it is, has actually fallen out of favor with a lot of the younger generation. And a lot of people do not have Facebook profiles anymore, even though Facebook right now probably has more users, even on a monthly user base than any other platform. So what Meta have done They've introduced a form of music revenue sharing on Facebook, which will help creators to make money from videos that use licensed music. Now, if you're a creator and you've ever created a few TikToks or you've created even on Facebook, you do run into problems if you use any music in the background for your, um, for your, your, your video. So they've created a new tool called the Rights Manager. So if you're a creator and you, you work on Facebook and you work on the various platforms because Facebook are pushing Reels really hard and trying to get that to compete with TikTok. There's a new rights manager built in, and it's been rolled out across all, plat all countries all over the world right now. And what that will allow is allow video creators to receive 20% of the revenue on eligible videos with a separate share going to the music right holder and to Meta. So, of course, Meta makes money. And the videos have to be at least 60 seconds long and that needs a visual component. So you can't simply post music uh, and try to make some money. Also, the licensed music itself cannot be the primary purpose of the posting. Again, you can't post music and try to make some money. The feature has started rolling out this week and it is available to video creators everywhere. And what it really will do, it will allow uh, eligible videos to earn money with an in-stream ad delivered pretty much in the US to start, but it will roll out in Europe and the rest of the world very quickly. And um, 
it will allow people to make a little bit more money and a little bit, uh, you know, probably make reels a little bit more attractive because the uh, TikTok's money-making ability has really become a big deal. People make a lot of money. There's a lot of commercial stuff going on with TikTok. And um, I think we'll discuss this later as part of what's happening around the revenues that Meta and Facebook are dealing with. But I feel they, they're taking strain and they realize that they're missing out on a big chunk of revenue. And as a marketing and advertising camp, uh, platform, I think it's really important that they compete. But um, there's a lot more to it than that. We'll have to chat a lot about that in the Tech Talk Cafe segment in a few moments. But in the meanwhile, it definitely will help the creators make a little bit more money through the Facebook platform and may bring a little bit more excitement back to Facebook instead of being just a collection to watch what's happening with the kids. So let's watch that space and see what happens. Now, moving on to gizmos and gadgets, I'm talking about Apple a bit this week, so I thought I'd just drop something in here. One of my favorite laptops in the Windows world is the, X, is the Dell XPS 13. I'm actually speaking to you on a Dell XPS 13 right now. And they, no, they announced um, a new version, the XPS Plus, uh, recently. And that is coming to South Africa this month. It's not going to be cheap. It starts at 32,000 Rand. Europe, around about 1,700, 1,800 euros. Um, US, a little bit cheaper, about 1,500, 1,600 but the XPS 13 Plus laptop is a significant change from the previous version. It's super slick. It really, in my opinion, does compete very strongly with the MacBook Pros. It comes with a range of memory all the way from 8 to 32 gig. It does use Intel Silicon, unlike Apple. Uh, so it's very compatible with everything that Windows has to do. Obviously, um, Windows 11. It has only a 13.4-inch Full HD all the way up to 4K screen. So if you're in the market for a really high-quality, beautifully built, edge-to-edge -edge screen, some interesting no-touch, the trackpad you can't even see. It's slick. It's all built in. Very nice keyboard. I have played briefly with the demo version up to now. And uh, you, you're not scared by the rather lofty price of a top-end laptop. The new, Dell, the new Dell XPS 13 is available pretty much wherever Dell's available in South Africa, and you should be able to pick one up pretty much anywhere right now to have a good look, as it certainly does compete with the, the Apples. But um, Apple soon seem to be dominating the laptop space in some respect. But this is a really fine product from a fine company who's had a reputation of making some amazing laptops, in, especially in the XPS range, and uh, we'll see where that all goes. So we'll be back straight after this little break for our sponsors. We're going to be talking about Tech Talk, Tech Talk Cafe, and uh, we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as I said, we're going to be talking all about the tech bubble and where the rest of 2022 is going on. Moving on to what we care about. And there's just no question that 2022 has been as they say in all the classics, a tumultuous year for many of us. It started off really bright and breezy. COVID was on its way out. Restrictions around the world were coming down. Travel was coming back. Um, people were relaxing. And boom, a war in Ukraine. Who would have thought that in this day and age we would land up with a major power, Russia, attacking a small company, country, Ukraine. And the implications of that are massive. For many people, 
most people hadn't even heard of Ukraine, or if they had heard of Ukraine, it was sort of in the back end. However, a couple of key, and from a technology point of view, never mind the global food shortages and just the general stuff that um, Ukraine were doing in the fertilizer and grain space in terms of international trade, there were two other areas that were pretty fundamental to technology that were, were centered in Ukraine. They had built up over the years a massive ecosystem of outsourced technology consulting in the app space, app development, and just generally excellent uh, technology startups, companies, and places within the, ecos- the, the technology ecosystem. So a simple fact is that many, many of the apps on your iPhone or your Android phone were made or partially finished or controlled or run out of the Ukraine. So, so many of the servers that had the back end for all these apps were running out of the Ukraine. And so many of the young people, or all the people, all the developers across an enormous amount of, of different companies were based in the Ukraine. The costs were good, the, the cost of living was great, this lifestyle was good for people. And unfortunately, they were very competitive globally. So a lot of companies set up shop there and started a lot of development and all of that changed really fundamentally over the last couple of years. For the most part, many companies have moved the people to various other hubs in Europe. So many Ukrainians are now living in Madrid, Amsterdam, Barcelona, Munich, wherever it may be, and continuing the work that we're doing there. But it is a disruption and things change dramatically. The other thing is that Ukraine was a major exporter of neon gas. Now, neon gas is one of the gases used by a company in Holland called ASML, which makes the the machines that make the chips, uh, that gas is used for the the etching of the various um, substrates and the silicon that you use to create chips. And there was a massive global shortage and cost implication as that was disrupted through the whole war bubble. But that's just one of the the matters that has changed. That's just one of the things that has, um, has happened. And it is part of what happened around the whole global tech stock thing. In earlier this year, tech stocks were down considerably. Amazon 19%, Apple 31%, Meta 13%, which is quite interesting, not a huge drop. Microsoft 38%, and even Google by up to, to 17%. Netflix, interesting story around that, dropped 65%. Shopify, which is an online shopping platform provider, 70%. And and I can go on and on and on. Essentially, the massive bubble in tech that built up over the COVID years just collapsed and went away. Now, there is a lot of talk that simply the market was way overvalued. But what it does, it, it reflects in a whole lot of activity. Elon Musk and his companies are now downsizing. They're cutting 10%. Tesla across all his various companies, they're looking at cutting 10% of their staff. So what it does, it indicates that after the boom time of technology through from 2019 through to 2020, into 2021, that things are adjusting significantly and there are going to be some severe challenges going forward in terms of, of what's happening. Obviously, because of the energy crisis, prices have gone up. The Fed in the US has, has raised interest rates beyond anything. The ECB in Europe has raised interest rates for the first time in many years. Inflation is hitting Europe and America and the East, something that they haven't seen since the 70s, since the last energy crisis. 
So there have been so many factors that have changed the whole outlook. And here is just a soft one, which is really crazy. I read a very interesting article saying that during COVID, everyone bought new laptops, everyone beefed up their, their technology so that they could operate at home. And the tech stocks and all the Samsung and the, all the boys who were and Apple and everybody who were supplying technology that could be used at, the, at home thrived. The chips shortage that was supply chain disruption create came and went. But essentially, there was a massive boom. Now that the world is free and travel is resumed and the airports are unmanageable, people are not spending money on that sort of stuff. They've got the technology they need to work anywhere in the world, and they're spending very, 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 very little on new laptops, new applications, and new product. They'd rather take that money, and based on all the madness that's happened in the last two years, spend the money on experiences, travel, going out, doing things that they couldn't do for two years. So there's been a massive change, and obviously that is reflected in the whole stack as the, the sales, the revenues, and everything come down. So inflation, unfortunately, causes people to cut back. The fact that they're not buying what they bought before and spending the money that they'd saved, perhaps, during the COVID years on all sorts of other sort of things has definitely resulted in a massive loss in interest and a massive loss in value across the various tech stocks. So Meta recently released their um, results and it was very, very interesting what they said and how they are going to be approaching what is a very significant change in the environment in which they and all the other tech stock, stocks and tech companies operate. So they recorded their first ever quarterly drop in revenue um, and at the announcement on Wednesday and, the, and, and noted that the recession fears and the competitive pressure is weighing very hard on their digital ad sales. Now, a lot of people don't even realize that Google, Facebook, and pretty much all the social media companies make money by selling adverts. They sound like they, it's not something you think about. It's not something that we all consider. We use Facebook, it's free. We use Google, pretty much it's free. We use TikTok, it's free. We use all the social media platforms and we do stuff on them. And we don't even think about the cost because there's no cost to entry. You don't pay to open the app. You don't pay to own the app. You don't pay to use the app. It's just there and you download it and you get on with things and you consume all the content. But what is going on in the back end is very, very clever, algorithmic, artificial intelligence based analysis of your activity, your likes, who you are, what you do. And the purpose for all of that is to give you adverts and you, you see them popping up. You see them coming all the time. In fact, Instagram for the moment it seems to become an advert platform rather than a photo sharing platform or a video sharing platform. It's a bit of a pain. A couple of celebrities are telling them to get on with it and stop all the adverts. But the simple fact is there is ad revenue that's running in the back end of all these platforms. And for the first time ever, they are down. There are certainly 5, 10, 15% drop in people spending and again you've got to remember the background to this global recession global increase in inflation people have less disposable income companies have less dis less revenue they cut back on marketing and that runs all the way through to meter whose revenues drop accordingly so the the total revenue which is pretty much 
all AIDS cells fell around about 1%. doesn't sound like a lot, but it's billions and billions of dollars. Um, and overall, they were expecting a small increase in, in, in users, and yet that didn't happen. They actually had a, a very tiny increase in daily active users. And at the same time, the dollar, because of interest rates, because of all the other things I've discussed, have dropped. Uh, has inc has increased in value. It's become very strong. Sorry, not dropped. And what that does is that a lot of their revenue is is received by in in foreign currencies, euros, yen, you name it. And obviously, as the dollar gets stronger and they're a dollar-based company, they get less dollars for their money. So that has hit that has that has hit um, their growth and that has hit their revenue quite quite strongly. And also, they had to announce that. As much as they were trying to push the whole metaverse through the meter, that has just stagnated. Their revenues there have just gone away. They've probably spent very little trying to, to grow it. And there seems to be a bit of an online ad sale divergence between search and social media players, which has also created a little bit of a spend or, or ad buys in their real platform as well. So real is the video platform and the others are are doing quite well. So overall, their, their advice is that the future for the next couple of months, six months to a year, is pretty gloomy. They expect a very solid performance across their, their platform. And this is a bit of a, an indication of what we're going to expect from all the various platforms going forward. But um, there is definitely going to be a downturn, and we are definitely seeing competition such as platforms like TikTok and others and Apple Apple made some changes to the operating system, which severely restricts any social media platform's ability to advertise or to rather, from a privacy point of view, to be able to obtain sufficient information to do some of the targeted adverts that they were doing. And that has definitely had an impact, although uh, Meta say they're working around that in certain ways. I'm not exactly sure, and I don't think they're very keen to tell us what those ways are, because they might just get another little knock-knock from uh, the the European Commission saying, hey guys, this is breaking our anti-privacy laws, and many others around the world. Same thing happened in, in South Africa. Papier, the regulator, actually engaged with uh, Facebook around some of their activities regarding privacy, because they actually they actually um, have different rules for Europe and America and South Africa. And South Africa's uh, privacy regime and regulations are very, very aligned to the GDPR regulations in Europe. And um, they actually asked uh, Facebook, why are we being treated so differently like the rest of the world when we should be clearly under the same sort of privacy regime that exists in Europe? So we'll wait to see what happens in that space going forward. But right now, there's a lot of change coming to all these platforms. And I mentioned it earlier, two of Instagram's biggest users, Kim Kardashian and Kylie Jenner, certainly people I don't follow, both shared a meme imploring the company to abandon its shift to a TikTok-style content suggestion and make Instagram Instagram again. Let's see uh, if, if that has any impact whatsoever on what Mark Zuckerberg and his team get up to. But there is no question there are seeing changing shifts in how people behave online. They're seeing changing shifts in how people use these various platforms online. Also, people are not spending as much time on these various platforms as they tend to get out. When you were locked into a house, 
24 by 7 pretty much and you couldn't go to a restaurant and in certain countries in the world you couldn't even go for a walk in the park you tended to sit at home spend enormous hours on your screen or your various screens be it your phone your tablet your computer playing on the various platforms and communicating and doing whatever you needed to do those days have changed and in fact there have been a number of reports from the, 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 the phone manufacturers such as Apple which clearly indicate that the average screen time usage in 2022 is significantly down on 2021. Not that that's a surprise. I'm sure anybody who's looking at their phone or listening to the radio right now um, realizes that with distractions, with the ability to travel, with the ability to get on with business and actually go to the office and not sit at home multitasking behind your little desk in your shorts, you are spending a lot less time on social media platforms. But overall, there is no question that we are seeing some significant changes. And again, it's very, very difficult to understand how this all affects the entire ecosystem of, of the technology stack. And that starts in many ways with the chip and this massive chip shortage, which has caused ructions to things as diverse as cars, coffee machines, toasters even couldn't be built chip the the microprocessors pretty much run the lives of most consumer goods and certainly all sorts of other types of technology for the last two years because of all the covid you know disruptions have been a huge 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 problem but when you combine the decline in the the sales cycle of consumer goods which is happening right now and it has happened really quickly from one of the industry's biggest boom cycles around consumer electronics, especially laptops and other sort of video related things, all of a sudden, boom, that has come to an end. At the same time, the world has opened up, supply chains have stabilized, the war in Ukraine has definitely affected certain elements of it, but overall the world is reconfigured around those sort of problems. And now from a massive boom and, and demand that couldn't be met by companies making whatever they could, prices rising, it just ended. Bam. Global semiconductor revenue increased 7.5% roundabout up to now in 2022. But that's half the rate that most of the firms were predicting three months ago. And it is way below the 26% growth that was posted by the chip business back in 2021. So it's very clear that the global semiconductor market presaging the madness that's going on in the Google market and all the, the, the other technology players, there is no question that there is a massive downturn coming and a, a significantly, I think, extended period of weakness in both consumer electronics with the result on, 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 on a knock back onto to, to chips. So hopefully we'll now be able to get our cars in time, we'll be able to buy the consumer electronics on time. But Interestingly, one of the major retailers in the U.S. announced that because people are going out and doing all sorts of stuff and they're not staying at home, the sales of air fryers has just collapsed. They're all overstocked with air fryers. So now's a good time if you're keen to buy an air fryer. A little tip from Tech Talk Cafe. If you're looking for consumer goods, just wait for another month or so and wait for the sales. There are going to be some big bargains in overstocks pretty much across the world because people's buying patterns have changed. The ability to manufacture these items, which were planned a couple of months ago or half a year ago, all the chips suddenly became available. So putting them in, making the product, shipping them to the stores really started happening. 
all the disruptions that were happening around supply chain, all the trucks and the ships and everything that we were talking about last year have gone away. We seem to have smoothed that all out. And yet the most important part of the equation is the consumer, the guy, the girl, the, the people who buy the products have decided they've got other things to do with their money. They're going to rather go to Ibiza or take a trip to Thailand or go somewhere else than buy that new shiny air fryer or washing machine or whatever it is that you buy, which consumed all these technology chips. So that is, well, the good news and the bad news is that one, if you want something, the prices might stabilize. That will affect inflation, make things a little cheaper for all of us over the next couple of months. And then... Um, and sorry, just getting calls, which I shouldn't be getting at this time. Anyhow, so that's the good news in all of this. We're starting to see contraction, a, a, reg, a much sm slower growth in, in technology stocks, a little bit of sanity returning to the market. The consumer electronics market has changed. You should see a lot of price weakness, a lot of overstocks coming through the market. You should be able to buy a few things in the tech space at better prices. All of that should result in a lower growth, slower growth across um, inflation across most countries and a return to normalcy sometime in early 2023 when I think the, the madness around getting out of, out of the home, getting out of the town, getting out of your country, as well as the renewal cycles of, of technology all start settling back down, the various advertising campaigns and everything that are running through the social media platforms are changing. So we should see uh, a really, really steady, solid growth through 2023 and into 2024. But right now, expect if you're an investor, I'm not giving you investment advice, I assure you, but watch carefully as there are many, many stocks that are not going to behave well around the technology space. And a lot of consumers are, are just going to change the way that they consume and what they spend on. But the, the, the whole balance should start coming back towards the end of 2022 and, and the beginning of 2023. And that seems to be the message from all the tech stocks, certainly the message from Gartner, one of the major sort of research companies in the space, and Meta, Facebook, in terms of what they expect to happen over the next year. But shifts are coming Tastes are changing. People are going to different places. And it'll be super interesting to watch what happens over the next year in terms of who's doing what online and where. The one thing I would recommend is you always stay on the radio and you always listen to Tech Talk. And I should be able to keep you updated on all these massive changes as and when they happen. So on that note, we're going to take a big, a quick break, some sponsor time. And then I'll be back with a first look and a serious update around Apple laptops. There's some new ones on the block. They're out. And I'm sure people have got questions. I'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And another quick live read before we get stuck into the gizmos and gadgets. So now talking of changing your lives. And please don't take that in any which way that other than what it's meant. Apple released and have been working extremely hard and working on their own completely Intel-free, or any, for that matter. Don't take it personally, Intel. They're not using pretty much anyone's chips anymore. They've designed their own, they build their own, and they launched a couple of weeks ago, it's more than a couple of weeks ago, 
their new M2 MacBook Air and M2 MacBook Pro. And I've been getting a lot of questions from a lot of people, should they wait for the new Pro, old Pro, MacBook Air, old M1. There's a lot to think about. Let's, let's clear something up right now. The old MacBook Air, certainly in South Africa, because the price of the MacBook Air with the M1 chip in South Africa is about 20% cheaper than you can buy it in Europe and pretty much below the price you can buy it in the US. I've never seen that. And I think it's an actual, maybe it was a conscious thing to try to grow Apple market share in South Africa. But simply put, they were one of the best deals in laptops on the market. Really well made, incredible battery life, tremendous performance. Couldn't run Windows anymore natively, but you could run it through a, um, a virtual machine, which some people did. But overall, a top-notch laptop that for the vast majority of people, maybe not in commerce, but for the vast majority of people could do everything that you wanted to do, even some basic video editing. No fan, tremendous battery life, but the design hadn't changed for years. The camera was not great, the front camera the screen was pretty much pixely and not very high resolution. And overall, it was waiting for a massive update. Along came the 2022 MacBook Air with M2 chip. Um, and they completely, completely and utterly reinvented the MacBook Air. And it, in fact, now looks a little bit like a mini MacBook Pro. And just talking about the positives, and I've played with one now for a few weeks, not a few weeks, it's just come out for a few days. And it comes with an M2 chip, eight core. I bought the one with 512 gigabytes of storage, which interestingly I've read, I haven't experienced the 256 entry gig, entry, gigabyte entry level unit. The 512 is a much faster hard drive. Latest 13.6 inch, slightly, slightly larger LED backlit display, but pretty much in the same size case. And the 512 comes with a 30 watt charging safe, a charger. You can opt for the dual 60 watt if you want for extra money. I know the entry level comes with a 30 watt charger, which may or may not be a problem for you, but um, USB-C ports as we discussed. But one of the other big changes is a very nice quality 1080p front HD camera and a decent three mic array for sound. And the speakers are hidden. You can't see them anymore. But my experience is the sound is pretty, pretty good. Not as good as a MacBook Pro, but certainly very, very, very good. The battery life, super impressive. No matter what you do, it just carries on. Pretty much like my MacBook Pro, M1 MacBook Pro. Battery life, easily. They claim 18 hours, easily, easily reaches that in a normal day. In fact, it's so good that you often forget that you need to charge your your laptop. You use it all day, you close it, pick it up the next day and carry on. So using a higher 60 watt uh, USB-C charger, it charges super fast. No, I haven't even used that. I've got a, uh, a MacBook Pro charger. The other thing that I noticed, the display is significantly brighter on the new Air. It doesn't sound like it should. It's only 100 nits brighter in terms of, of, of actual uh, spec, but it makes a huge difference. When you're sitting outside and the weather's been lovely, so we've been sitting outside a bit, you, you can see the screen really, really easily. And um, overall, the, the laptop is slightly thicker and slightly wider than the old MacBook Air, and it doesn't have that wedgy shape. It's very much squarer, but weight is slightly less, which is great. So overall, 
screen is a significant improvement on the old MacBook Air, and it is very close, very close to MacBook Pro quality. When you put them side by side, you can clearly see the MacBook Pro, the 14-inch new one, is a better quality screen. And we'll talk a little bit about how that compares to the MacBook Pro, entry-level MacBook Pro with the M2 chip. The speaker quality is good. You can't see them. It sounds really nice. If you play music, it sounds decent. And there is a big improvement on the old Air. I don't know how they've done it or whatever they've done. The keyboard is great as well. Certainly as good, if not better, than the keyboard on the old Air and very, very similar in feel overall to the MacBook Pro. The M2 chip, it's very hard to see the difference between the one and the other. They're both incredibly fast. But the M2 chip seems to have the edge in startup speed. It's certainly no matter how many browser windows you open, no matter how many apps you open, I really never saw that little circling screen, you know, the little ball of death sometimes when things die on a Mac and then it quietly goes away and comes back and says, why did you do that? It's not our fault. You put too many, too much pressure on me. So I went to sleep and came back quickly. But that's a very Mac-y thing. For, for video editing, for some fairly big uh, Excel spreadsheets, no problem whatsoever, but I didn't have any problems with the M1A, so it, it's not a huge thing, but it is a step forward. It doesn't seem to affect the, the battery life compared to the M1A, but it definitely makes a big difference. So a full review, a little bit more time is needed, but essentially there's no question that the M2 MacBook Air at a higher price than the M1, you can still get the M1s now at a great price if you go out and get there, is a significantly improved device. I would recommend the 512 256 gig is a little bit is a little bit little in terms of storage, although everything's in the cloud. Sometimes you want to have big projects or you go on a plane, you want to download a few movies. 512 seems to make a lot of a lot more sense. So that's worth a, a, a shot. And the other question I've been asked, which I'll quickly try to touch on in the few minutes we have remaining, should you buy this or the M2 MacBook Pro? Now, the M2 MacBook Pro entry-level is essentially the old 13-inch MacBook Pro, with, which was released with an M1 chip with an updated M2 chip. Nothing changes. The front camera is still a little underpowered as far as I'm concerned. You do get an extra two hours battery life. It does run a little bit. It does run a little bit longer. The screen is definitely a little bit better. And you've got the touch bar, which some people like or dislike. Unlike the new MacBook Pros, the, the 14 and 16-inch, you get the the touch bar. I never used my touch bar. I didn't really see much use for it, but some people love it. Um, overall, all you really get is an up-to-date MacBook Air 13, a MacBook Pro 13-inch. It still uses USB, uh, USB-C for charging. It just has a slightly better battery life, and it comes with a bigger 67-watt USB-C charger. It also does have active cooling fans, so theoretically, you probably, it probably you can probably clock the M2 a bit harder. So if you're into very heavy, large file manipulation, video editing, uh, picture editing, it might offer a lot more performance a lot longer than the Air. But again, I've tried some pretty heavy video editing and had no problem on the Air. So the M2 Pro, MacBook Pro, seems a bit of an anomaly. It was probably a no-brainer for them. They've got the they've got the the stock to just switch out that M1 for an M2 makes sense. And as an entry-level pro device with a few more ports, a little bit more battery life, slightly better screen, it might make sense in certain places. But overall, I would recommend for the average guy 
for anyone who wants to do even semi-pro work, um, any content creation, the new uh, M2 Air with a slightly bigger screen, slightly lower weight, better front camera, and overall more up-to-date look and feel would definitely be a better deal. So you, you know, your choices, your money, it's also slightly cheaper. So, you know, you have to decide on where you want to go. So we'll be back with the last bit, which is maybe a quick update, a quick wrap up on, on the new MacBooks and the MacBook Airs. And then the gadget, uh, the sort of app that I found that could make your life a little easier for the, for the week. So we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just a quick last word on the whole MacBook M2 area. Right now, depending on your needs, M1s, some of the older M1 Macs may be even better value for money. And certainly they're going to give you three, four years worth of great service from great quality laptops at a good deal. But if money is not the issue and you want to spend a few hundred extra on, on or thousand extra on, on the latest technology, that certainly will stand you in good stead. The new M2 range, both the Air, which is significantly improved in some cosmetic and practical ways, and the new, um, and the new Pros um, may be worth looking at. But right now, we expect to see the Pro 14-inch and 16-inch get M2 sometime in the September timeframe, which would make them even more competitive for the Pro users. But for everybody else, the new M2 Air certainly looks like being a very, very difficult uh, product to beat. It is significantly cheaper than my other favorite in the Windows world, which is the uh, Dell XPS range, around about 30, 40% cheaper, uh, and yet offers similar performance. However, it doesn't run Windows. There's some, some, some times and some places where it just makes it a no-brainer. But for the most part, all your office work, all your browsing, everything that you would want to do on a laptop, the M2 Air has everything that you would need. At a price that's not as cheap as the old M1 Air, but certainly very competitive in the global scheme of things. And it would certainly not be a bad buy in any way, shape or form and keep you super uh, future protected with regard to what you're doing in, your, in, in the sort of laptop space. Now, moving on to the last little bit of sort of tech advice, Macro, which many people do know, um, have been trying to get into e-commerce for many, many years. And they had a lot of third-party apps which allowed them, and online was basically a web wrapper for their online website, they allowed you to do your shopping with Macro online. Well, for the first time, they've now delivered, or, or rather made available to all of us, a actual native Macro app. And apart from the fact that it's just a lot slicker, better organized, and a lot easier to use than their old shopping sort of app, it, it is now native on both iOS and Android. You can pick it up in either one of those app stores. And it certainly makes shopping with Macro a lot simpler, a lot faster. But allied to that, which is very interesting, they've completely revamped the way that they ship. So their shipping, they've promised, and a lot of people have told me that it's actually working really well. They used to talk two to five days. Now you can get stuff way faster than that. Everybody and that I've spoken to, I haven't tried them yet, but everyone I've spoken to have said that their shipping has improved dramatically and within a day you can get everything that you need. So if you do some shopping at, at Macro and you, you're keen to use their online app, download it now 
and see how much quicker and easier it is to use. It really is a significant upgrade on what they had before. And uh, a bonus is they'll deliver it to you a lot quicker than they did in the past. So nothing wrong with that. And on that note, I'm afraid I have to wrap up. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk. Same place, same time next week. Tune in. I'll give you all the latest gizmos, gadgets, and updates to everything in the tech world. Stay tuned to Fire FM. This is Stephen Ambrose. Till next week.